On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City, here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome in. A lot of Brewers stuff to get to today. You know what? I, I say this every week, that... Even in a slow off season, like there, there's anxiety that goes along with. Are, are we really? There's always stuff to talk about, but are we going to have enough just to roll through this hour and uh, have really good stuff to talk about? And so far in this off season, even after the 60 game season, even during what is just an incredibly slow off season in terms of player movement, there is stuff to get into. A lot of stuff to get into on an every week basis. If you want to join us, you can do so multiple ways to get connected with the program. You can. Call or you can text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet in at uh, Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. So this is what we're doing this week. It's going to sound kind of a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, but Craig Council spoke with the media today. Uh, for about 35 minutes, I joked with Scott a few moments ago when we were doing our, uh, our crosstalk at the end of his show that you know I, I could just play the entire 35-minute uh, press conference, and you know what? Then then I would be uh, that would take up uh, the vast majority of the hour. But I'm not going to do that. Here's uh, here's what I do want to do. Uh, he said a lot of interesting things, and there are a lot of narratives and a lot of storylines about baseball that he gave his comments on. And we're going to kind of roll through them today. This is going to be one of those days where uh, we'll hear his take on it. I'll give you my take. If you want to chime in, you can absolutely do so in the ways that we mentioned. And uh, we'll just touch on a whole bunch of different topics as we uh, get through these next 48 minutes together. Uh, Just listening to what Craig Council had to say uh, earlier today. Uh, Some of the stuff we'll get into. And this is something that started when uh, Theo Epstein, when he was announcing his exit from the Cubs, had comments that he made about the aesthetics of baseball. And he said something that kind of opened up the floodgates to a lot of people agreeing with him that baseball is not as pleasing to watch now as it has been previously. Baseball looking good and finding ways to win baseball games have unfortunately gone in different directions. And I do think that's a really important designation to make because there are people out there that think baseball teams don't win because they're not playing the game the right way. They're not moving runners over. They're not bunting. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And the numbers and the data are very clear. You're wrong. That's, that's not why baseball teams lose. Like the, the style of baseball that is largely being played across Major League Baseball right now, home runs, strikeouts, uh, th- those sort of things, that's, that's winning baseball. Winning baseball in the sense of that's the equation that helps you win the most games at the end of the year. Now you want to have as much talent on your team doing those things, but through the data we have learned the type of things you want to do to be able to win baseball games. That doesn't mean it's the most entertaining style of baseball. And nobody out there is getting paid to provide entertaining baseball. They're getting paid to provide winning baseball. 
if you play super entertaining games every day, if you're putting down bunts, if you're trying to turn singles into doubles, if you're if you're just playing that hard nosed style of baseball, but you're losing a bunch of games, whoever you are, whether you're a manager of the team, general manager of the team, whatever, you're getting fired eventually. You can't you can't you're not going to keep your job just because the way you play baseball is more aesthetically pleasing than what other teams do. So baseball is a problem. That the game is not as fun to watch anymore uh, because of everything that's going into it, and it, that that that's been true for a while. It's something that I've talked about. When when Theo Epstein mentioned it, he was not the first one to mention it. It's certainly something that I've talked about before. But Theo saying it has kind of brought it into an area where it's being talked about a lot, and uh, with it being talked about a lot, Craig Council talked about it today. So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into this slow market. We'll get into Christian Yelich and expectations for him next season. Is Ryan Braun going to be back next year? There's no answer to that, but uh, Council certainly had some interesting things to say about uh, whether or not, uh, just what it would mean if this is uh, Braun's, if he's done, if he, he's done playing baseball. So all that and more coming up over the course of the next 45 minutes. We're back with more Brewers Weekly in just a moment. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So Craig Council spoke for 35 minutes earlier today, 35 whole minutes with uh, doing his normal winter meetings talk, but it wasn't done normally. It was done on Zoom because everything is being done virtually. I want to get into a lot that he had to say today, and I want to start with what we were talking about um, earlier. So I, I would bet, I would bet the vast majority of people who are listening to this program right now would agree with the the general idea that the aesthetics of the game of baseball right now are not great. They're not great. Too many stri- and it it's kind of based in strikeouts, right? Like we can talk about putting bunts down or trying to trying to move runners over and sacrificing and and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, the ball is not being put in play enough. It's strikeouts or it's home runs, and there's not there's not a lot of in between. So, uh, council was asked today about the strikeouts and what can be done and what rule changes could be made. He actually had multiple questions about this. I want to play this for you, though, because this kind of – this was the most all-encompassing answer he had uh, about the aesthetics of baseball and and strikeouts hurting the game and why it's happening and and what can be done moving forward. It's a case of – the pitching advances in pitching and advances and the use of technology and pitching has really pushed pitching, um, you know, improvement faster than hitting improvement. Hitters are still improving. They're just not at the rate that pitchers are improving. Um, so it's just, it's created this little imbalance right now. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and we're, and we're doing a really nice job with pitching. I think the industry has been really aggressive using tech with pitching to improve it. Um, as far as who's responsible for it, we're all responsible. We're all responsible to, to, you know, to help maybe balance it out. And, and I think like what I'm trying to say, if we're decided that like we want more action, which I think there's a pretty good consensus starting to grow for that, then I think, um, you know, there's going to be each, you know, different parties are going to present different solutions. And I think that's probably more challenging from, from the executives to the managers, to ownerships They're we're all going to present some kind of different version of a solution. And, um, 
that's probably the harder part, kind of, I think, agreeing on the solutions than maybe the cause of the problem or the, or the problem. Yeah, and that that's complicated. That's really complicated because – so somebody mentioned banning the shift. Uh, the idea in banning the shift is you no longer – if there are hitters – that their hitting profile says they are going to hit the ball between first base and second base 80% of the time, and I'm just throwing numbers out. So you go put three guys over on that side of second base, then you limit the action. Um, is that And Craig Council was asked about you know banning the shift. Is that something he would be okay with? And he didn't seem to have much of a problem with it, but he went on to say that that would be a very small thing to do, and he doesn't actually think that that would have a huge impact on the game. And probably there needs to be multiple changes being made to create uh, more action. I think that does create a little bit more action. And people always say when we talk about the shifts, you know, when you got when you got the shortstop playing halfway between or, you know, two steps towards second and there's no third baseman even on that side of the field. People always say, and I hear it all the time, well, why don't you just put the bunt down? Why don't just put the bunt down the third baseline and take your base hit? And if you've got a singles hitter at the plate, yeah, that's a great idea. But you're not getting shifted like that if you're uh, if you're a singles hitter. The guys who get shifted in that way are generally power hitters. And I don't want to see my power hitter very often. This isn't a 100% of the time sort of deal. But I don't I don't want to see a power hitter putting bunts down the third base line to take a base hit when when that when that guy has the ability to put it over the wall when that guy has the ability to put it in the gap and hit doubles because as baseball has evolved we're not seeing rallies uh, there was a there was a game this year and I don't remember the exact details but I do remember something that Craig Council said after the game that was interesting to me there was a, there was a classic rally it was 5 6 7 runs in an inning a ton of you know hit after hit after hit six seven eight hits however many it was, and it was just it was a great inning it was a fun inning it was it was moving the line it was hit after hit after hit that's from an aesthetic standpoint that is very aesthetically pleasing baseball, and Craig Council was asked about that inning after the game and he basically said you know what you get like one or two of those a year, and he's right you get one or two of those a year, so you you don't. You don't want to see your power hitters bunting down the third base line against the shift to, um, to to just get on base. Because more often than not, that's not going to result in run scoring. Batting average is not as important as how many runs your team scores. You win baseball games by scoring runs and preventing runs. And a lot of times a base hit doesn't result in a run scoring. Sometimes it does. I'm not, I'm not trying to say... Base hits are bad. Don't don't take that from me. But sometimes base hits do not help accomplish the goal. And I hear people say sometimes, well, if you're that guy, if you're the, if you're the the power hitting slugger, you go show bunt with your first time. They're not going to shift against you later on. Eh, yeah, they are. They'll they'll take that base hit all day long. Now, I again, I don't know how you fix this problem. Okay, so you, you ban the shift. You require teams have two fielders on the first base side of second and two fielders on the third base side of second. Okay, so there's going to be a few more hits to get through. That's fine. That doesn't fix the strikeout issue. And the strikeout issue is the issue. because for, And I people hate what I'm about to say. 
They hate it. I've said it before. Every time I say it, I hear from people. Strikeouts are not as bad as they once were viewed to be. Not saying strikeouts are good. Uh, certainly the Brewers have been a team over the last couple of years that have struck out way too often. And strikeouts, you know, there are there are situations in games where you really can't afford a strikeout. And it seems like the Brewers all too often strike out in those situations. Not all strikeouts are created equal. Uh, but strikeouts are still the problem. That's that is the number one culprit of the uh, of baseballs uh, of of there not being action. And Craig Council mentioned, you know, yeah, banning the shift, but there's probably other rules that need to be put in place to that create more action in the game. What what do you do about the strikeouts? What what do you do? I don't I don't you can't do anything about you can't tell a pitcher, hey. Don't strike this guy out, okay? We we need them to put the ball in play. Uh, you can't say you know, strikeouts are only worth a half out. You have for you only get you, you get one out for every two guys that you strike out now. So strikeouts are not as valuable anymore. Like he, that's just you can't do that. I don't know what the answer is to prevent strikeouts. Uh, and and Council's right when he says that uh, the pitchers are so far uh, ahead of the hitters. Not ahead, but improving at a different level. We are seeing th- pitchers do things right now that we just haven't seen them do before. Is there going to be a DH next year? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> General managers putting rosters together, having no clue if there's going to be a DH or not in the National League. Uh, Craig Council talked about it and what it means uh, for this team moving forward. We'll discuss it next. This is Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So Craig Council speaking with the media earlier today and uh, a lot of things to get into. The the saga that is whether or not we're going to see the designated hitter in the National League, uh, it, it continues to take multiple turns. So pre-pandemic, the general thought was at the next collective bargaining agreement, a universal DH would be instituted. So then we come back from the pandemic and at that point, there are some there are some safety reasons to put in the DH. It just it, it made sense. Uh, it gave you a little bit more control on pitchers. Like there there were just a lot of reasons to go ahead and put the DH into the National League. And then once that happened, the general thought was, okay, it's here. You're just going to leave it, right? If it's going to if if you think that it's going to be there in 2022 after the next collective gar- bargaining agreement, well, you're not going to. Why have it in 2020, not have it in 2021, and then have it in 2022? That's just wacky. So when the season ended last year, I think most people believed that the Universal DH was here to stay. And then over the last couple weeks, we've started to get some indications out there that teams are being told to go back to planning for no DH next year. This is crazy, by the way. And I think I mentioned this on almost every program, but I'll mention it again. How you build your roster is based upon rules. And if you are going to have a DH or not going to have a DH, that can impact roster decisions that are being made. It is December 17th. We're essentially two months out from pitchers and catchers reporting. 
Now, admittedly, the market's going slow this year, but we don't know the rules that are going to be played next year. I, If I was in charge of baseball, there's a lot of things I would do if I was in charge of baseball, but if I was in charge of baseball, I would institute a um, th- th- where the rules for the upcoming season have to, have to, have to be set before free agency opens, before the league year begins. When the league year opens up, you, you press pause on what it's like at that moment and just go forward, and any changes that are made, any changes that are discussed, any changes that are agreed upon don't go into effect until the next league year starts. That's how I would do things, but you know what? There's common sense to that, and sometimes baseball has a really hard time with doing things that are based in common sense, so here we are. We don't know what the rules to the game are going to be this upcoming season. So where that really impacted the Brewer, uh, the Brewers was the the Daniel Vogelbach decision, and they did bring him back. Craig Council today did say that they, they would be okay playing him at first base if there is no DH. And when we saw him at first base a little bit this past year, he looked fine, but the organization has seemingly uh, been uh, anti-him at first base for the most part. But he'll have to play some first base if he's going to be on the roster if there's no DH. Now, there's some backdoor wrangling going on right now, and I don't want to go too deep into this because we're going to get into the weeds. But essentially, essentially, Major League Baseball has already like sold the expanded round of the playoffs. So the playoffs won't be as expanded as they were this past year, but they will be expanded. There would be an extra round of the playoffs. And basically, Major League Baseball has already agreed to the television rights for those extra games. They would go to ESPN. But those haven't been approved yet by the Major League Baseball players. So there's an agreement with ESPN, but those the, the extra games are not a thing yet. So now Major League Baseball is going to have to negotiate with the players, and there's, there's, rum, there's rumors out there that they may use the DH as a bargaining chip, that they'll put the DH because the players want the DH. The owners want the DH too, but they're not. They're, they're pretending for a moment that they don't for this purpose. Um, so that's that's what's going on. There, there's going to be more negotiations. Uh, right now, even this past week, we learned that there seems to be two different uh, feelings between players and owners on if they should try to start the season on time or not. We're going to talk about that in future editions of the show. We don't have time today because we're going through all this uh, Craig Council audio. But the DH, is there going to be one? Is there not going to be one? National League teams have been told to move forward like there is not going to be a DH, but uh, Council clearly does not uh, has not yet closed the door on the possibility of the DH being there this year. If they've told us to plan without it, I, I think there's still a decent chance they have it. But, you know, I, I think we got to prepare for both, I guess, is pr- right now. Um, and so that's... Like with a lot of things, we just we just don't have final answers to a lot of questions right now. So there's a little bit of preparation. You got to prepare for what the the rule is right now, and then still have it kind of in the back of your mind or in your back pocket what your what your next alternative is. And you know, look, we we've we've got a a good candidate to to DH you know on the roster, but as always, we would we would definitely like to share those at bats to to give players rest at times. That kind of goes to a bit of a bigger issue right now is there's just a lot of question marks. So many, 
We don't know for sure when spring training is going to start. We're not guaranteed yet of a 162-game season. From a Brewer's standpoint, we have no clue what the roster is really going to look like, and that's true across Major League Baseball as we are going through an incredibly slow offseason right now. So how much work can the team really do and can Craig Council really do when there are so many uncertainties and question marks going into next season? You, know, you can plan a lot, and I, th- I think we are. I think you have to be ready to go um, when it's we're scheduled to go. Um, and so that's that's what you do. Uh, that's what you prepare for. Um, and then uh, when you get more information, you make adjustments. But, um, you know, absolutely. I think, you know, we're, we're preparing. Um, we're having conversations um, with, with coaching staff uh, mostly right now. Um, we, we do have to fill in players for sure, uh, uh, but uh, that you know generally happens later for us anyway. So Christian Yelich, coming off a really tough year this past year, what are the expectations for him going into next season? We'll discuss that next. It's Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Christian Yelich really struggled this past season. That's not breaking news. That's probably an understatement. I don't think anybody expected what we saw from Christian Yelich. It's it's still kind of hard to believe that things went down for him the way things went down. He is one of the best baseball players walking the face of the planet. And for whatever reason, it just never got going for him. He hit 205. He had, what, 12 home runs and 22 RBIs appearing in 58 games. His OPS, that's, uh, that's the number. They, when we, we discuss it a lot. Uh, our guy Doug and Baraboo likes to uh, call in and mention this, that he does not like the OPS being listed on the uh, scoreboard as opposed to batting average. But uh, OPS is kind of the end-all, be-all, catch-all statistic that you can evaluate players on and – his OPS this past year was 786. To give you a uh, historical reference, 2019, 1100. 2018, uh, his MVP year, 1000. Final years in, uh, final couple years in Miami, 859, 807. So 786. It was not a career low, but it was. It was pretty close, and it just he just had a bad year, and that happens. He just had a bad year. So the big question is. Is he going to have a bounce-back season this upcoming season? According to Craig Council, his manager, yeah, he is. I just know it's going to be better. I know it's going to be good. And I so it's um, – that's probably um, – I, I feel really good about that. I don't, I don't worry about it. Um, I'm confident in it. And, um, and, I, and I think, you know, Christian didn't like how he played. Uh, he didn't like what happened. Um, you know, it, it just, it's not going to happen again. I guess that's, that's the, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, whenever we ask the question, well, why did that happen? I, Christian doesn't have an answer necessarily. He can't explain all of it. I can't explain all of it. Um, I, I don't, you know, we wouldn't, I don't think Christian wanted it, wanted it to happen. Um, so it, but it did. And I think, um, you know, I think it, what it does is it, it, it kind of puts your mind to, um, work, and that's what it, that's what he's doing. Um, that's what he's gonna do um, is get to work and make sure when when we start up that he's 
he's he's in a good place and, and ready to go. I can't tell you how many times we talked about it, whether it was on this show, whether it was on Brewers Extra Innings After Games. Everybody seemingly had an opinion on why Yelich did not play well this past season. Some people thought he was not fully recovered from the knee injury or the, the knee injury was uh, in the back of his head. Uh, some people thought that uh, the clubhouse being different was impacting him. Some people thought that uh, the, the the protection in the lineup not being there as much had an impact on him. Like, there, there was just there was a lot of things, and it was probably a combination of a bunch of stuff. Obviously, pandemic, uh, the start and start stop nature of spring training, all the time off, summer camp, uh, the the 60 game season, the not playing in front of fans, everything. Just everything. When you when you put it all together, I think it resulted in the season that he had. And I think Greg Council is right. You don't you don't have players the stature of Christian Yelich who have years like that in back-to-back seasons. So I agree with Craig Council, and I think he is uh, completely correct when he says that the expectation is that he will uh, he will not have another year like that. The question is, another question that uh, was addressed today, Ryan Braun, is he going to be back next season? Uh, didn't seem like Council had much of an answer to that, but uh, also certainly did do some reflecting uh, if there, if if he doesn't play again, and I think that is uh, very much a legitimate possibility. I have not talked to Ryan about no 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 conversation about any playing. No. You imagine what the clubhouse will be like differently without him after all these years. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's interesting. It, it's going to be different. There's no question, and. Um, it didn't, you know, there at the end, it didn't turn out the way I would have liked it to necessarily for him. Um, but in, in, an all, in another way, it kind of did. I mean, if, if, if this is the end and he, and he played on three straight playoff teams in the last three years of his career, you know, when guys sign contracts like that, um, I think, you know, we often say, well, we signed him for the first couple of years and we know the last couple of years might not be that good. And, and he was a part of and led – part of leading those three three teams to the playoffs in his last three years that's that's kind of ending your career on a really really strong note and, and something that's really impressive in, in my eyes um so you know it'll be different not having him in there for sure and I, I think ryan um you know those players like him are a presence that's that's the biggest thing they're just a, they're a huge presence both on the field and off the field and so they're missed when they're not there absolutely a lot of people are going to try to read into what he just said there, and I'll I'll say that like, when you listen to him speak, it felt like Ryan Braun's done. Like he he's already able to kind of reflect on the career and the way that Braun's career did finish, and. That doesn't mean for sure that Braun can't come back, but even at the end of the season last year, when you heard Braun speak, I remember uh, there was he, he does a. Um, he does an end-of-season kind of media briefing each year after the final regular season home game. And prior to that briefing, that media availability with Braun, I thought there was like an 85-90% chance that he was going to be back this upcoming season. And then I listened to him talk, and I went 50-50 because he sounded like a guy who was completely at peace with his career being over. And then... 
I, I listened to that from from Craig Council, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm still sitting fifty fifty, or if I actually think it's pushed a little bit past fifty that maybe Braun is done. And I, he probably doesn't know himself. And he even said at the end of the year last year that it's probably going to be past January first that he'll make a decision. He does. It's going to be way past that unless he has just made the decision to retire. Uh, I, I have to think that this decision is going to take even longer. Because there's not going to be many guys signed on January 1st anyways with how slow uh, this market is currently moving. It is it is moving at an absolute snail's pace. So he doesn't have to make a decision. There's going to be no pressure on him to, to make the decision. I do think that the, the public health situation, uh, the, the speed in which the vaccine starts to get distributed nationwide, to allow our world to go to some version of it that kind of looks like what it used to look like, you don't. If you're if you're Ryan Braun and you've done everything that you've done in your career, you don't want to go on the road and not be allowed to leave your hotel room except to go to the ballpark. You don't want to be. That's just that's not something that you're in it for anymore. And uh, so I would have to think that. The way the the restrictions or the lack thereof uh, due to COVID this upcoming season would probably play a role. The other thing is his health. He did not have a healthy year this past year. Does he think that he can have a healthy year? The this again going back to the start stop nature of su- spring training, the stop and then summer camp. Uh, that was not good for him. His body did not respond well to that. Does he owe his body one more chance to be able to uh, to to go through the year? And then, of course, the DH stuff. We talked about it earlier. If the if there is a DH in the National League, there is a higher percentage chance that Braun would be back with the team because it would be an opportunity for him to be in the lineup without being forced to play in the field. All right, when we come back, Craig Council had thoughts on Giannis re-signing with the Bucks and what that really means when you think about the state right now with Giannis, with Christian Yelich, and uh, also with uh, Aaron Rodgers all being in the middle of long-term deals with their uh, respective franchises. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. So the story of the week in Wisconsin sports clearly had nothing to do with the Brewers. It was Giannis signing his Supermax contract to remain with the Bucks for the foreseeable future. If you are a Wisconsin sports fan, even if you're not a Wisconsin sports fan, you have an opinion on uh, Giannis re-signing. And I think when you take a step back and just look at sports overall in the state of Wisconsin and look at how the teams in Wisconsin have done a really good job of keeping their stars in place, at least the, the current version of the teams, the current regimes, um, it's notable. And the three guys that we talk about the most, Giannis with the Bucks, Christian Yelich with the Brewers, and Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. And we could talk all we want about other players coming and going, but when you think about faces of franchises and best players, those are the guys. And they are, they are locked in on long-term deals. Craig Council, during his media availability today, obviously was very happy that uh, Giannis indeed signed the Supermax to stay with the Bucks. Yeah, I was I was very much trying. I have a Giannis jersey sitting right over here. I was trying to get it into this 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 little spot right here, but I couldn't do it. Um, 
Well, it's it's it makes you proud to be a sports fan in Wisconsin is really what what it does, um, and it's it's a really cool thing. I think um, as what I, I think of kids right now because I think of kids growing up watching sports in the state of Wisconsin and having these these iconic like historical players playing for their teams, and it's the kind of thing that makes you a sports fan for the rest of your life. So. Um, there, there's like, we have cemented like Brewers fans. Christian Yelich has cemented a generation of Brewer fans. Um, and Giannis has cemented a, a whole generation of Milwaukee Bucks fans and basketball fans. And, and Aaron Rodgers has done the same thing. So that's for our Wisconsinite. Um, you know, that, I think that's really cool. And that's, I think that hopefully that's sometimes lose perspective of that, but hopefully that's something that we can, we can, a good thing we can do from sports. That's a great answer. That's a fantastic answer. And I hope what it does is we get – I'm not saying that wins don't matter and, and championships don't matter, and th- those are things that the Brewers are looking for a championship, the Bucks are looking for a championship. It's been a little while since the Packers' last championship. Like, championships still matter, and holding teams to a, uh, to a standard of trying to win – championships is, is absolutely a valid thing to do but sometimes you can also take a step back and say look at these individuals who are on these teams and how special of a moment it is and i think it's really cool that wisconsin not you know, in in many ways whether it's milwaukee or green bay uh some of the smallest markets in those leagues not coastal just you know, sometimes the flyover country aspect of it, and these guys are staying here, and it's because there is something special in these communities. There is something special with what's going on uh, with the people who are making the, uh, the decisions with these teams, and obviously fan support. Anybody who doesn't think that fan support uh, plays into these type of decisions, you know, after Christian Yelich played in Miami for a while and, and then got to Milwaukee, he saw what it can be like. He saw how different it was. And uh, it is, I don't think that's a Brewers only thing. I do think the fans of all the teams absolutely do make a, a positive impact and are really fun. I, I always enjoy it when individuals from one team are talking about things going on at the other team. You know, when one team's in playoff, people from another team are wearing jerseys. Like, I love that stuff. I love it when there's that intermingling going on of the different teams. We'll wrap up uh, this edition, talk a little bit about uh, the slow market and when we can maybe expect it to pick up a bit as we wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly next here on WTMJ. Details. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Let's see if we can grab a couple phone calls before we call today. Just about two minutes left in the program, so uh, we got to be brief here, but we will start with Doug in Baraboo. Hey, Doug, you got just a quick moment. You're on WTMJ. Sure, Matt. Uh, thanks. Good evening. You know, I wonder if baseball, if they're concerned about going under 70 million fans for the first time in 15 years or whatever in 2019, and they're going to start making these changes, which have they already done. You know, you're facing three, you know, they have to face three pitchers, the relievers and this type of thing. And now they're, if you mentioned they want to start, you know, getting, uh, banning. I gotta let you go. I really kind of yeah. spent like 20, 30 seconds. Sorry. Um, that's and I'm not trying to be rude. I just I'm up against the clock here at the end of the hour. Uh, 
I I think baseball is a lot more worried about the TV audiences than the uh, than the fans coming in, but they also think that game speeding up will result in more fans being there, and that's why the the three batter rule. Not enough time to get into it. We'll do it uh, next week here on WTMJ. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.